Hello, welcome to the latest episode of NSPE Speaks, the only podcast produced especially for professional engineers by the National Society of Professional Engineers. I'm your host, Associate Editor Danielle Boykin, and I'm joined by the rest of our great podcasting team. I'm Senior Staff Writer and Content Editor Eva Kaplan-Leiserson. Senior Manager of Public Relations and Outreach, Stacey Ober. Well, we can't start this podcast without recognizing a key member of our team, staff writer Matthew McLaughlin, who couldn't join us live today, but he will be making a contribution to this latest podcast with an exclusive interview. Anyone want to say hi to Matt? Hi, Matt. Feel Feel better, better, Matt. (laughs) Wish you were here. Miss you. To kick off this latest podcast, we want to give our listeners some insight on an event that recognizes and educates about what it means to be an engineer and how to do engineering. That's right. So we are talking about what else but National Engineers Week, which we actually just wrapped up. And um, just wanted to give you a few highlights on some of the the things that happened and the things that we were involved in. Um, NSPE kicked off its celebration uh, with an event at the National Building Museum, which we do every year. It's a Discover Engineering Family Day. Fun time. Yes. As usual, the ping pong balls are flying. We (laughs) do an activity called Pop Fly, which is where we have kids build catapults and um, out of paint stirs and cups and ping pong balls. So that was a lot of fun. We had about 6,000 attendees that came through the museum for the day. Wow. Including my daughter for the first time. My almost five-year-old daughter had a great time and we had some friends come with their kids and everyone had had a blast. It was so much fun. And she got to be an astronaut. It was really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's always a great way to kick off the week. Following that was the 25th anniversary of the Future City competition. Um, hard to believe that uh, that's been going on for 25 years now. But as usual, the kids were phenomenal out of this world. The cities that they built, the essays that they wrote, the presentations. Um, and for the first time ever, Future City actually live-streamed the finals. Um, we had the links up on our website and our social media and stuff for people to see. But but that was really cool if you couldn't be there in person to see it over over the web, live happening. The team from Westridge Middle School from Texas North won with their city, Sosia City. hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> Second place went to Veritas Homeschoolers from Phoenix, Arizona with their city. This is another tough one. Revivikito. And they won $5,000 scholarship for their STEM program from NSPE. And then there was a multitude of special awards. NSPE gives a special award for protecting the public's safety and welfare through competent and ethical engineering practices. And that special award went to Southwest Middle School Great Plains. And um, on hand at the competition were Tom Roberts and uh, Cody Verhalen. And they were able to hand out those awards and congratulate the kids. So we thank them, obviously, for, for being there. Yeah, it's really a cool program, especially to get these kids involved. And when you see their creativity and everything that they put in, in to this program, it, it really blows your mind. Yeah. And hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and the poise. I mean, these kids are like, you know, they get asked questions. They don't really know what the questions are going to be ahead of time. But, man, their answers are just phenomenal. So, um, you know. Kudos to all of those future engineers, hopefully, and uh, all those kids. So another part of Engineers Week is Girl Day, um, formerly known as Introduce a Girl to Engineering Day. And we participated and promoted the the day and the event. Uh, Our president, Cody Verhalen, actually had a really great quote that we were sharing on social media, and I'll just read it here in case you weren't able to see it. 
As a professional engineer, lawyer, and mother, I want girls to understand they can do anything. Nowhere is it written that we can only excel in one area. Combine your passions and make a difference. So some great sentiments just like this from a bunch of other women engineers out there being shared all over. Fantastic. Um, great way to, to inspire girls. Also, definitely have to give a nod to our new faces nominee, Captain Thomas Sinovic. Really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly as well. Uh, PE PMP Lead AP. He is a Deputy Engineering Flight Commander with the U.S. Air Force, and he is stationed at Herbert Field in Florida. And um, you'll be hearing more about him, hopefully. The New Faces winners will be announced April 6th, which is actually Global Day of the Engineer as well. So we encourage you to maybe go to the Discover E site and take a look at that event. We might have more on that later. And then, of course, the big thing, the big theme of Engineers Week this year was Dream Big. And all of that centered around this amazing new IMAX film uh, that came out and premiered to kick off E Week. And we'll be talking about that a little bit later. So, Stacy, isn't there another event that, that happens during E-Week um, that you can tell us about? Yes. I was wondering what you were talking about for a second because I'm like, no, I went through all the outreach stuff. Um, yeah, no. the other amazing event, which is not... Um, which does not focus on kids, but more on professional engineers who have uh, done amazing things in their career in the federal government. Of course, I'm talking about, as I'm stumbling through here, the Federal Engineer of the Year Award Ceremony. Yes, that was actually held right before E-Week, and um, it's an amazing event held at the National Press Club, and we had 26 uh, award winners being honored from their agencies, all of the federal agencies, and then we had our top 10 finalists. Um, you can find information on all of those on our website at nspe.org forward slash FEYA, F-E-Y-A. We had an amazing speaker, Air Force Director of Civil Engineers, Major General Timothy S. Green, PE, gave a great speech on the importance um, of role models in developing the next generation of professional engineers. And one of the highlights of his speech was the story about his own role model as an undergraduate student. And we can take a listen here. So off to school, I went to Texas A&M. I uh, was signed up to be a mechanical engineer because that sounded like a lot of fun because I hadn't been thinking about it, and it was. Except my very first professor in, in ME 101, uh, he could have cared less about us, right? And so as a result of that, I was in the, in the fight in Texas Aggie Band there, and we had an academic advisor. Who, one of them was a civil engineer named Dr. Wayne Dunlap. Dr. Dunlap cared about me and everybody else. And so I changed my major because I really hadn't been invested in engineering just because I wanted to be like Dr. Dunlap. Right? I wanted to be the kind of man that he was and exemplified. And so I made my career choice based upon wanting to be like somebody else. What I would ask you is, who's looking at you? And what kind of choices are they making about you? Wow, that was a really great speech. Uh, it's always good to hear about role models and, and having someone like Air Force Director Green you know, tell us about how he was influenced. Uh, so can you tell us about the FAIA winner? No? I certainly can. This year's winner was Jennifer Bountry, PE, with the U.S. Department of the Interior's Bureau of Reclamation. And she um, was overseeing the sediment erosion management efforts for the Elwall River Reg Restoration Project um, up in Washington State. And she was challenged with the concurrent removal of the Elwall and Glines Canyon dams, the largest dams ever removed. 
through the use of newly developed erosion forecast models and simulations. Uh, she led her team of engineers and geomorphologists in monitoring the sediment erosion and the downstream transport of 27 million cubic yards. I can't even get my head around that figure, wow. honestly. Um, of reservoir sediment as the dams were removed in multiple controlled increments. And uh, she did say in, in her award speech, which you can see on the, the Fayette Highlights video that we have up on YouTube and our website, that... Um, you know, the, the project took a couple decades, um, as some federal projects tend to do. But um, in the end, it restored salmon and steelhead habitats along 15 miles of waterways in Olympic National Park and built nearly 100 acres of new coastal beach, helping to revitalize the cultural traditions of the lower Elwha Kalam tribe. So it was um, pretty outstanding work and um, you know, pretty phenomenal, and it was great to hear her speak. And actually, even though Matt's not here with us today, he did uh, interview Bountree after the FAYA ceremony about her win and the project that I just mentioned. So we have a little snip for uh, you to listen to that as well. Hello, I'm National Society of Professional Engineers staff writer Matthew McLaughlin, and I'm here with our 2017 Federal Engineer of the Year, uh, Jennifer... Hold on. Bountree. Sorry, I had to get it right. I'm tempted to say bounty, but uh, <laughs> is okay. it that I pronounce it right there? Yes. Okay, great. Well, um, we just wanted to spend a little bit of time asking you a couple questions about your work and your experience as an engineer. Uh, and I guess the first one would be, what does this award mean to you? Well, this award has come quite as a shock, and it's just fantastic to receive this recognition for the Elwha Dam Removal Project. It really is such an amazing tribute to doing restoration and helping our rivers. Okay, great. And I assume maybe this is probably your favorite or uh, greatest accomplishment as an engineer thus far, you think? Or is there another one that stands out to you? This project was definitely such a learning experience, and the people that I was able to interact with were all so dedicated, and the amount of engineering and learning that happened, um, it's just, just an incredible experience. Is there anything in particular as an engineer that you think you gained from this project uh, the, or the experience? I think there were two things that were so amazing. One was getting to work with the biologists mm -hmm. and the fisheries groups, seeing how the actual fish were responding in terms of the decisions we had made, how to engineer a dam removal. And the other was just getting to be out on a river in, in a national park that's just so beautiful and getting time out on that on that area was just incredible. That sounds great and beautiful. Um, it's, I noticed that there was, uh, you know, one of the hallmarks of the project was that it helped revitalize uh, some cultural traditions of the uh the Lower Elwha Klalem tribe. tribe. Okay. Did you work with them directly at all? Was there what kind of relationship? Was there a certain aspect of having to uh, build relationships there and then and and talk to them about what their needs were and that sort of thing on this project? Or yeah, definitely. The tribe was one of the partners in the project, and they were one of the advocates to help make this project happen over many many decades. One of the dam sites was their creation area, so okay. both culturally for the fish to be restored and also just from their heritage and history this was a really important project and they were continuously a great partner and a collaborator.
collaborator for us on this. Okay, great. And then the last thing I want to ask you is, as far as, you know, you're a registered professional engineer, um, I'm just curious, you know, what made you choose to go down that path and, and sort of what what do you uh, see as the benefits and value of that license? Oh, of the license, sure. Well, I think having the opportunity to get experience under mentors is probably one of the things I would point to in terms of getting an engineering license. So having that experiences in a field that you're passionate about with other people that are passionate about the same thing. Right. And then, you know, having the satisfaction of getting through that process is, is quite an achievement. Okay. Well, great. Congratulations, and thanks again for joining us. Thank you. That's great. And speaking of PEs who are doing great work, here in our uh, PE Magazine March-April issue, we have an article highlighting uh, two NSPE members who have been working with the student chapter of Engineers Without Borders at Mississippi State University. For about the last five years, Dennis Truax, PE of NSPE, and Bill Mitchell, PE, have been helping to bring clean water to a chiefdom in southern Zambia. About 10,000 people have been provided clean, sustainable drinking water uh, 12 months out of the year, and the chapter has also done other humanitarian work, such as establishing an animal husbandry program and a sports education program. It's a really great program, and um, I talked with Dennis to get some more information beyond what was in the article, uh, learning more about um, the work and how it helps prepare the students there at Mississippi State University for the engineering profession. Let's take a listen. Well, thank you for joining us today, Dennis, to talk about your work with Engineers Without Borders, the student group, and the work that you all have been doing in Zambia. I appreciate you taking the time today. For those who haven't yet read the article in the in the March-April PE magazine, can you just give us a very brief overview of what you and your students have been doing with this project? Gladly, and thanks for the opportunity to talk with you. Mm-hmm. Our project has been focused on providing drinking water for a very arid, isolated community in southern Zambia. The uh, community consists of about 20 to 25,000 people, very agrarian. Six to eight months out of the year, they have virtually no rainfall at all. And so the surface water supplies that they're generally reliant on dry up and become contaminated. What we've been focused on is providing groundwater through hand-pumped wells connecting to moderately shallow aquifers, 50 to 70 meters deep. Great. And uh, we would be remiss in, in not also highlighting that NSP member Bill Mitchell, a PE, has also helped with us and provided technical assistance as well as valuable financial assistance. The article talks a little bit more about his involvement, which had originally appeared in the uh, Foundation magazine uh, there, and uh, we, we adapted. So that will be linked in the show notes um, for, for everyone who hasn't read it yet. Can you also just give a little background about how and why this particular project was chosen? Certainly. The Mississippi State EWB chapter looked at several opportunities and found this project had been reviewed by another university and and proposed a series of surface, what they called micro-reservoirs. We were interested in what that represented. That university had failed to follow through, and so we asked EWB if we could pick up where they had left off and did. 
the uh, end result was that we spent the first uh, trip over evaluating the opportunities for reservoirs and the need and the opportunities to actually drill wells. And based on our assessment, uh, we, we came back and made a recommendation to switch the project to uh, hand pump well systems, which was approved and which is what we followed through with. Great. And I know you all are planning to go back again this summer. I believe it's the the fifth trip. Is that is that right? That's correct. Okay, and that will be the final assessment. What do you expect to to find? The the program for EWB requires an initial assessment, an implementation phase, and then a final assessment. The goal of the last trip is to verify that everything that you've done previously is both still intact, is being properly maintained, and demonstrates a level of sustainability. For us, this summer, we'll be going back and visiting each of the wells that we've installed over the past three years, verifying that the the wells are in operating condition, verifying that the local communities have the resources to keep the wells operational. We'll also be doing water quality analysis to verify that the the, the quality of the water that's coming from the wells remains uh, at a level that was acceptable as defined when we first put it in. Great. And when you think back over the, the time that you all have spent working on this, what aspect of this project are you most proud of? <laughs> oh, uh, the or if most. there's a top three. If, if okay, there we go. Three. Now, yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for giving me the latitude. Sure. Uh, three. I can do three okay. uh, top issues. The, right. the, fir- the first most prevalent issue that, that sticks in my mind is the impact we've had on the local economy and the, lo- the, the local population. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say economy because that's certainly part of what we've done. It's hard to explain to somebody in the United States just how important clean drinking water is because we grew up with it. But over there, they're used to drinking out of something worse than a mud puddle. Mm-hmm. And that sustainable, clean water supply improves health. It improves personal perception. It improves lifespan. But it also re- represents the opportunity to develop a stronger, more sustainable food supply uh, it provides uh, opportunities for economic development. And, and we've seen this where uh, arid lands that had nothing supported now uh, are growing substantial crops. They have cattle and they have goats and, they, and the people look healthier. They're cleaner. Uh, they're more energetic. They're just excited. So the, the impact on this area and the fact that we've been able to bring clean water to about half of the people in the Simwalachella chiefdom is certainly a dynamic part of what we've done. But the second piece that we've seen is, for me, is the students. Uh, I take a group of students who, in some cases, have never been out of the state of Mississippi, and I drag them literally halfway around the world and and drop them off in an environment where they're all of a sudden now interacting with individuals who have nothing or very little, who have a, a, a completely different culture, who have at the same sense, the same human basic needs that we all have, and putting in their eyes a perspective of what we have in the United States, what they have personally, and and, and how things that we take for granted can impact the quality of life uh, for people over uh, in these areas is is remarkable. And, and I guess really in that same vein, the third piece is, is coming back and seeing how that impact, how that engagement 
how that involvement in these people's lives changes the lives of the students here. They become industrious or more industrious, not that they're not already somewhat engaged, but they're they're vibrant, they're excited, they're it's life-changing for them. Uh, I've seen students who weren't sure what they wanted to do with their lives make a personal commitment through their education and through the work that they do towards uh, helping people around the world. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I know you said in the article that as the students push past their own limitations, face uncomfortable situations, and learn to respect and work in other cultures, uh, they're reaching goals that they thought were impossible before, and they'll, they'll carry that with them. Can you elaborate a little bit more on this and, and other ways that this work will translate to their future careers, especially in engineering? Absolutely. Um, in terms of the environment that we put them in, we, we go to an area where literally there are no roads. Uh, we drive through drive through fields. We get to a community, the place where we base, base camp, there's no clean water or little clean water. There's no sanitation. They shower in a hut outside in the open environment. We cook on, on an open fire. We live in tents. And so that lifestyle impresses upon them the environment that we're working in. The people, the engagement of the people, the excitement of the people, the, the endearment of the people uh, infests the students with an enthusiasm while working over there that uh, develops a stronger sense of, of professional commitment to the health, safety, and welfare of the, of the individuals there, and, and I, they bring that home with them. So what happens once we return is they're more engaged in their classes. They look for opportunities for service, both within our community and through the uh, EWB chapter. They uh, make decisions about their careers and their education that leads, well, in fact, has led three of our students to go into graduate school when they weren't sure that's what they wanted to do. One of the three students has made a commitment to move through a Ph.D. and ultimately commit her life to overseas development of, of environmental conditions, uh, improvement of environmental conditions. So this life-changing aspect, they're, they're rising to a standard that is much more than just getting an undergraduate degree and, and moving off to get a job. It's a matter of recognizing that every day they have an opportunity, if not an obligation, to make things better for people here and overseas. That's fantastic. That is, that is great. And I know there's so much more that we could say about this. This is a great project. But uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to add that uh, you know wasn't covered either in the article or in our conversation here? I guess the most important thing that I would share, Eva, is the idea that, that in addition to student chapters, there's professional chapters of EWB. And, and I, would, I would hope that those listeners and those individuals who read the article in PE uh, will consider supporting the student chapters financially with their technical support, with their emotional support, their engagement. The students need help. They need resources to do this. It's a struggle to be able to, to go into these countries financially, technically, materially, and have the impact that they want to have. And in the same breath, if, if this resonates with anybody in the professional community, there is an opportunity to work with EWB to create a professional chapter, possibly to partner with other student chapters or other professional chapters and have a similar impact. 
this has changed my life and Bill Mitchell's life, for that matter, probably as much as it's changed the students' lives. And, and Bill's engaged with EWB in, in other ways, as, as am I. And, and I invite anybody that's listening to look for an opportunity for that kind of engagement. I absolutely guarantee you, you will get more out of it than you ever hope to put into it. That is a great point, and I'm glad you brought that up. And we will uh, definitely put some links uh, in the show notes so people can learn more and, and get connected if uh, if they're able to do that and reach out. Thank you for, for all your great work with this and, and to Bill, too, and representing NSPE members with this project. And thank you so much for your time chatting today. Oh, thank you for the invitation, Eva. And, and if anybody listening would like more information, I'd be happy to be a conduit for connection or answering questions. I've, I've been contacted by a number of professionals and student organizations over the past year, and I, I certainly am happy to, to help in any way I can. Great. We'll put your email address, if that's okay, in the uh, in the show notes at uh, Absolutely. nspe.org. Uh, and this will be- All right. Well, thank you again so much. Anytime. It's really great uh, hearing about Dennis and Bill's work uh, with Engineers Without Borders. Uh, they've been doing really great work, and, and it's good to see PEs donate their time, uh, but also donate funds to the projects. Um, it's, like I said, great humanitarian work, and they also get to interact with, with future engineers as well. And so um, one of the things that we do like to do is if we know that uh, our members are engaged in these projects. We'd love to hear more about them uh, so that we can feature them in PE Magazine, uh, maybe even talk about the communities, um, just because, like I said, these are the things that people need to hear um, about uh, professional engineers and how they help make the world a better place, essentially. Yeah, let us know what you're doing at podcasts at nspe.org. Uh, if you are doing some interesting outreach work, humanitarian work, um, and maybe we'll feature you either on the podcast or in PE Magazine um, if you're touching the, the future generations or if you're um, helping uh, those who uh, need assistance with various engineering projects. We'd love to hear about it. And another uh, article in the March-April issue of PE Magazine that uh, I wanted to highlight was the cover feature on uh, cyber threats and cybersecurity uh, not just because I wrote it, but because uh, it's, an, it's an important issue. And um, one thing that was interesting about the research for this article was um, what kept coming up was not just um, the technical aspects, which are very important, and the uh, technology solutions, but the culture change that is required. And, and there's a couple of different aspects to that. One is, you know, who has jurisdiction over this, um, federal, state, private companies, and then the other is IT versus engineers. Um, who's doing what? How do you coordinate between those two? How do you make sure they each know what the other is doing and they, they bring their skills together? So we have a, a post on uh, communities um, and it's discussing the feature. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. If you have read the feature or you can go check it out, we'll have a link in the show notes if you haven't read it. And you can read it online and let us know what you think and what your thoughts are. And Danielle, your feature this month in the March-April issue was on advocacy. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, and, and what are some of the uh, top issues that NSPE is looking at right now? Okay. Uh, we always, like I said, want to give our listeners a rundown of all of the advocacy actions that NSPE and its state societies are taking on to champion the PE and to protect the public. Uh, in my feature this month, um, I did write about advocacy issues uh, dealing with qualifications-based selection, efforts to weaken uh, licensure, and then 
I guess the most critical topic right now uh, involves structural engineering licensure. There is a persistent movement to change laws to elevate separate or discipline-specific licensure, particularly when it comes to structural engineering licensure. NSPE believes that fragmenting the PE license into discipline-specific title or practice acts weakens rather than strengthens the integrity of the license. And so, like I said, there's been some a lot of activity involved um, in that area lately. And that's not just an isolated incident, right? There's like several states that are dealing with this. Yeah, it seems to be a trend. And one, the one thing is like, you have QBS in one area, it'll pop up in some other states. Uh, but with structural engineering licensure in particular, um, we have right now three key battleground states, Georgia, Minnesota, and Oklahoma. Uh, for instance, in Georgia, there was an amendment uh, to require any applicant for engineering licensure who designates the branch of structural engineering to take the 16-hour NCWS structural engineer exam. Our NSP president, Cody Jean Verhollen, expressed the society's concern uh, in a public comment to the state licensing board just about how we, you know, we're concerned about that particular action. In Minnesota, NSPE is backing the society's push against a proposed legislation uh, seeking to restrict the use of the title professional structural engineer just to individuals who have passed the 16-hour structural engineering exam. So in those two areas, that exam is key, and that's an exam that's only been in existence since 2011. Uh, so you have PEs practicing and who are qualified to do the work and haven't had to take this exam. So um, that that's two areas there that are similar. And uh, recently in Oklahoma, a bill popped up that restricts the title and practice of structural engineering. So overall, this could negatively impact the practice of engineering uh, by qualified professional engineers. And so NSPE is working with the state societies, writing letters, joint letters with uh, the state society presidents to licensing boards and, and to these other groups just to let them know this is something that that shouldn't go any further than it's already gone. As far as resources, um, we want to have members stay engaged and also speak out on behalf of this issue. NSP has what we call our Action on Issues briefings on our website, and there is one specifically for licensing by engineering discipline, which gives you our position statements on the issue and then also some other news and resources so people can stay on top of what's going on. So now that we've had the serious part of this podcast, uh, now we can kind of get into some engineering uh, fun uh, right. with this next segment, because we like to have fun around here. Yes. <laughs> well, in the last po- episode of NSP Speaks, we launched a new segment that will focus on engineering and pop culture. Still looking for name suggestions, by the way. That's yes. right. Yeah. yeah, we didn't yeah. get any. All right. And, and so in the last one, we gave our take on a Netflix original movie, uh, called Spectrum, which was an engineering sci-fi adventure, and, and like I said, it was interesting. So this time around, uh, we're going to talk about another film, which Stacy actually previewed in the earlier segment. Yes, mm-hmm. Dream Big. Hopefully you've heard about it by now. Um, it premiered before Engineers Week, and it is a huge IMAX, and when I say huge film, I mean huge film. It's IMAX, big screen movie. It's called Dream Big, Engineering Our World, and it's got some heavy hitters behind it. 
It is narrated by Academy Award winner Jeff Bridges. So that's no small feat cool. getting him involved. Yeah, with Jeff Bridges, it's like you know Jeff Bridges or Morgan Freeman. Um, <laughs> well, I would have. Uh, no offense, Jeff Bridges, but I love Morgan Freeman. Um, maybe we can do that for the next engineering <laughs> film. But this film is really um, a labor of love, and it's happened over several years, and its its sole purpose is to transform how we think about engineering. So uh, from the Great Wall of China and trellis buildings, underwater robots, solar power, it kind of celebrates the human ingenuity behind engineering, marvels big and small. And um, it, you know, it also reveals the heart that drives engineers. So it's got some personal stories and some personal connections about engineers and how they create better lives for people around the world. Part of the film, too, it's not just the film um, itself, which is playing kind of across the country. Uh, IMAX theaters, you can look for it, uh, and well as well as science museums are doing it. Because a big key component of this is not just the film, but the ongoing educational um, museum and community efforts that are going on in conjunction with it uh, to expose kids to what engineering is and how it has and can change the world. So if you happen to be located near a major science museum, or even a small science museum for that matter, take a look and see if maybe they're planning to show the film. Um, it might not be right now, but it might be uh, maybe more into the summer when kids are out of school, that kind of thing. Or petition them to show the film, maybe. <laughs> That's part of it as well. And really think about taking your kids to see it. Yeah. I'm going to take my six-year-old to see it. She knows that I work for an engineering association, so... She maybe has a little bit more insight into what engineers do than some other folks, but I'm still really excited to take her to see. Yeah, but it seemed really neat because, like I said, you're you're trying to reach out to young people and show them what engineers do, and, and it's right in front of them. They just don't realize it yet. And so, you know, underwater engineering, you know, you get to figure out the people that make some of the tallest buildings in the world, sustainable cities, solar vehicles even roller coasters mm -hmm. and really, really good cool stuff. Right. And really one of the good things about it is that it also features uh, some women engineers. And so they right. tell their story and, and you get to see what they do. And, and, and there was actually one engineer whose father was a mechanic and that kind of seeing him tinker with things, even though he wasn't an engineer kind of, you know, gave her insight that she wanted to work with her hands. And so she became a mechanical engineer. And so um, it, it's good to hear their stories and, and it's neat and, and again, it has nice, high quality. Right. And IMAX, I mean, too. Mm -hmm. I will say, too, that if you can, try and see it in IMAX 3D. 3D. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to, to compete with being able to see some of those engineering marbles in, like, giant IMAX 3D. It's yeah. pretty amazing. And there's some special events going on for girls with this, uh, too, right, Susan? I think Matt talked about that in the last podcast. Some um, media, girls night media out. female engineer mm -hmm. uh, events and things, so... We'll have information on the in the show notes about um, some of this stuff so you can learn more. Yeah, and you can go to also www.dreambigfilm.com to correct. get information um, and to get a preview. And check yeah, out the they have trailers. the preview. They also have some more um, links on education resources, mm -hmm. and I believe they have um, some information on where the film's playing, too. So definitely, definitely worthwhile checking out. Yeah, so it would be good if, if any of our members or listeners uh, check it out. Maybe even start a, a topic on communities. Hot and, topics. And, yes. On Dream Big Films. Right. You know, give your feedback. And, and, and if you've taken some kids to go see it, uh, we'd love to hear what um, their response oh, definitely. Uh, is to the film. 
Definitely. Well, it looks like that's our show for this episode. So it was nice getting the team back together. Hopefully next time we'll have our comic relief back, Matt. And, I know. Uh, I know. We'll, I don't know if we're quite as funny. We'll quorum that next time. Without him, but was, we try. Okay, we try to channel inner Matt. That's okay. Inner Matt, yes. Yes, yes, yes. He'll, be, he'll come back big and, and uh, more interesting than ever. So uh, remember that uh, you can always send us your feedback and comments about this show or make recommendations on the topics you'd like to hear about to uh, uh, podcast at nsp.org. Also, don't hesitate to start a conversation about any of the topics featured on this episode on NSP's communities at community.nspe.org forward slash home. And also remember, we'll provide uh, links and information resources in our show notes. So uh, I guess we'll see you in May. See you next time.